0: by Chance, a resource for young creators learning to navigate the professional field. This is your host, Chance Gilliam speaking, and there are some wonderful things on the horizon. I'll refrain from saying too much as a good deal of it is still up in the air, but it is bound to be an exciting summer. I'm really looking to spread my metaphorical wings and it's conversations such as these that lend me the confidence In order to do so. So let's jump straight into it. Hopefully, Laserbeak of Doomtree can lend you some of that same confidence. Okay, Aaron Mader, known professionally as Laserbeak, is a Minneapolis-based artist and producer. Aside from being a founding member of the Doomtree Collective, he's also the CEO and general manager of Doomtree Records, handling the day-to-day operations, management, and inner workings of the crew and label. Over the past decade, he's worked with a wide range of artists, including Doomtree, of course, and the individual members of Doomtree, like P.O.S. and Dessa. He's worked with Lizzo, Matt and Kim, Trampled by Turtles, Mixed Blood Majority, the Plastic Constellations, and more. In addition to original production and songwriting, Beak also works musically behind the scenes on commercials, movie trailers, TV shows, and remixes. As he says, little money, lots of places. I love that. And that is one of the concepts we'll dig into during this episode. Along with expectations, longevity, time management, all sorts of things. And this is heavy on advice to young artists. We dig into his own roots in art, but there is endless advice to both musicians and entrepreneurs in general. I included a few listener questions in this one. I hope you enjoy those and contribute some more in the future. Also, if you are listening to this on the day of its release, May 18th, tomorrow is ArtaWorld. So Friday, May 19th, uh, Laserbeak's going to be performing with Mixed Blood Majority at ArtaWorld in Northeast Minneapolis. You can learn more about the event at nemaa.org. That's NEMA, Northeast Minneapolis Arts Association. I'm gonna be at that show, so come on out. Say hey to Laserbeak. Say hey to me. I'd love to see you there, and I'm sure he would as well. Thank you to Josh Johnson for providing the opening track to this podcast. You can find some more of his music on SoundCloud. He's at Saxophone Capone. But for now, please enjoy my conversation with the one and only Laserbeak. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me over. Awesome spot here. <laughs> yeah, welcome. I'm yeah, told yeah. Uh so first things first, I listened to an episode of a two thousand sixteen interview on the interview show that you did with Dessa and oh, somewhere yeah. in there you mentioned uh dreams about chilling with Jay Z in a cabin and like <laughs> running for political office. Yes. Are these are these still recurring dreams? I
1: haven't had them about <laughs> Jay Z in a while as he's kind of diminished in my scale of like favorite artist. Um I have started to have them where me and Drake are best friends and hanging out. So it's kind of like a, it's a recurring dream with new a new cast of characters. Always changing out. Yeah, exactly. Very but yeah, good. that one with Jay-Z where we were at a cabin in like robes, smoking cigars and watching deer cross the the lake. is very vivid still to this day. I would imagine.
0: <laughs> um, so you're, you are uh, obviously part of Doomtree, mm-hmm. the CEO and general manager. Yes. I'm wondering, what does a day in the life look like beyond making beats? Sure. This managerial role.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I gotta say, like, I got into this for like being an artist and creative musically, and yeah. um, that has now become probably like five percent of the time that I spend is actually making music. So it's been a total switch. It's all business. It's all emails and conference calls, and um, not a ton of podcast interviews. But like, I usually get up at you want me to just take you through my day yeah I'll please. take you right through it I get up at like 7 you know the kids are up and it's like it's family stuff I try to get on a elliptical get my head going mm-hmm. and then I get to the office probably at 8.30 and uh, Doomtree has like a makeshift 500 square foot no windows office with uh, all of our merch and then I have a little desk in the corner <laughs> and it's got Wi Fi. so that's where I reside from like 8.30 to 5 every day um and so it's a lot of like I manage um, recently started managing Polisa a mm-hmm. band from here and, um, and I manage Doomtree and I kind of not officially you know have a lot to do with the management of the solo artists in Doomtree um, and just kind of keeping everything together so it's, it's a lot of hats it's kind of like at one point I tried to chunk it out where it's like okay for the first two hours every day I'll work on Doomtree tree manager then police manager then Doomtree records label guy and there's just no way with the amount of emails and things that need to get done like right away i've ever been able to do that so it's kind of like chaos and i'm just like <laughs> answer you know it's like in sequential order and i'm answering the emails i try to make sure i'm caught up every morning so i can start the day afresh and um and it's just like anything from you know on the label side i'm the contact that deals with the any manufacturer that makes t-shirts or cds or vinyl or anything Mm. like that i deal with booking agents and help um, route tours i deal with publicists and help craft pr press releases and all that kind of stuff um and then i'm dealing directly with the artists i'm kind of project managing albums that like where we are in timelines and setting schedules and um i don't know and then i'm also like the (laughs) accountant and so like i'm doing the non-sexy stuff like entering in uh, artist royalties for the quarter and like coding our expenses so that we don't get audited for taxes and you know what i mean like <laughs> just like the the stuff that someone has to do it's kind of in my i've worked myself into that role of generally like as we grew as a crew and a label there was always like a new thing that kind of needed to get done that was mm-hmm. outside of the music making and i've kind of like just veered down that path and learned how to do it
0: yeah Do you you think you have any particular qualities that made you the most fit for that role? Mm,
1: I don't know if I'm ever going to be the most fit, but I do think (laughs) that uh, I am very diplomatic. Like, they call me in the crew, they call me the diplomat. So I'm able to, like, I think empathetic and diplomatic helps a lot. So Mm -hmm. I can see it, I can be a lot of different roles at different times, because there's sometimes where I have to be the manager and fight Doomtree the label at the same time so I need to be able to see it from all sides and also then be Doomtree the artist and and understand how everything is working um, that's helped I would say organization but I don't really have that down I just like Google Docs has been a lifesaver and I've always been really interested in like um, calendars and timelines and setting goals so the timeline thing is big for me like you know by next Tuesday we need the audio mastered and then we can send it off and get the artwork done and mm. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm not the most patient person. I've had to learn patience through all this a lot more than I think I I
0: once thought. Yeah. And right before we started recording, you mentioned something about 15-minute intervals. Mm. Well, how do you use those in your... In well, your I just... Videos? I'm down, like, my time is
1: so crunched um, and filled, generally, uh, that... I'm booked, like, to the 15-minute interval, like, you know, I might have a meeting at 12.45 that goes until one forty-five, and then from one forty-five to 2, something's going on before something happens at 2, like, it's just very, it's the only way I've been able to stay on top of things, it's just cram it all in, so the days of, like, surfing on the internet are kind of over, at least temporarily, until <laughs> my kids graduate high school or yeah, something. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, it's gotten to a point where, like, if I'm in the car, I'm on the phone, or if, um... It used to, I had to cut it out because my doctor was like, you are in bad shape. But I had found that a $2, or the two cheeseburger meal at McDonald's was like the least messy food you could eat in the car. <laughs> and so I would plan my lunch, essentially, to be like, I'd be on a call on the way from one meeting to the other, eating like cheeseburgers and whatever <laughs> on speakerphone. And there's like, they are like, stop with the McDonald's. Juggling everything. I cut the McDonald's out this year. Which All I'm right. I'm happy about. Yeah. Hey, there you go. I know, I did it.
0: This uh, makes me think of something that I read on your website, in in your own personal bio, which uh, oh, God. which I love, little money, lots <laughs> oh, of places, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you talk about working behind the scenes on commercials, movie trailers, TV shows, remixes, yeah. Uh, for me personally, I'm starting to realize that if I want to. Succeed In the short term Not only the long term As an artist I'm going to need to start Wearing those many hats Um, Can you you tell me about How you like Seek out different opportunities Yeah Um,
1: I mean I think a lot of it Has just happened over time As you I always break it down To like relationships So that's kind of been The single most important And reoccurring thing Since I started You know Wanting to learn How to play a guitar Mm -hmm. And be in a rock band In like 7th grade And so You know There's that That theory of the 10,000 hours that you put in and then once you do that things start to click like I've just been doing this now for over half my life and I've been I've made a point of being really good to people and and in return have been taken care of by other people and stuff like that and so um here's where I go off into a million tangents but the idea <laughs> being that like everyone that I meet I try to look at it not in a way that I'm using people because like you can be We all know how it feels when someone's talking to you and you know what they're trying to get out of you. But there's like a sweet spot where there can be a relationship and even a a close friendship between two parties and I can be getting something out of the deal and they can be getting something out of the deal and then together we're creating something even bigger and like it's a a triple win or whatever. Um, So that's how I've kind of thought of anybody, any contact or any relationship as like, oh, you know, I really think about like what what would that necessarily lead to? And so I take a lot of lunches and I do a lot of things where I'm just like kind of interacting with people. And a lot of that sparks like new ideas or, Hey, we should do this or, Oh, you know, someone in advertising. Well, here's a reel of some music I have. And and so a lot of it has been organic just through kind of word of mouth and things like that. But I guess ultimately like I learned and kids really made me have to hustle hard to like make money. Um, but yeah, it was like, okay, I can't do just music without I can't just make music and sell it and mm-hmm. make a living. Especially mm-hmm. try and have a kid or like get a car or get a house. Um so that was when I started taking on even more roles with Doomtree. It was like, okay, I can actually have a salary and do this and be the guy and like the nine to fiver. And then through that, you know, it's like then you make enough beats and then all of a sudden someone it catches someone's ear and they're like, Oh, would you ever consider composing for a movie trailer Hmm. you're like i haven't but i'll try it and then you know the like 25th time that you try it maybe that sticks and so none of these things on their own would be able to sustain me but when you start to line up 10 or 20 different things it just starts to kind of fit into it's almost like a circle or something where it's like the second one thing dries up another thing pops up or you know, so it's not like I make music for commercials all the time. I might get like two commercials a year, but they pop up at the right time. And, yeah. You know, and it all adds up. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. And so and even the like you know, I just spoke at um Saint Thomas to two classes the other night and I was at the U with Dessa speaking to a class. I mean, I enjoy that stuff and that doesn't pay very good. But still it's like a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks at a time and like, you know, I was always very open to putting in the work. I always figured if I could make a couple hundred bucks in a day, you know, and it wasn't going to kill me, I might as well (laughs) probably do it. So it's kind of been that mentality and being humble and not thinking that like, that's a lot of it too, is checking your ego because everyone's probably worth more than they actually get paid for everything that they do. So it's like understanding when it makes sense to do something for free because, you know, it'll come back to you later or heavily discount something. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a case-by-case basis.
0: Hearing all of that got me thinking <laughs> about your early career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that you were part of the Plastic Constellations. Yeah. And you played first half when you were like 15. Yeah.
1: I mean, we opened up for Low, which was amazing. Yeah. So that was one of my favorite bands. <laughs> yeah. um, but which yes, is,
0: Which is crazy. Um, And then Doomtree comes into the picture. Yeah. And uh, you learn to like form this small business out of necessity but uh, i'm wondering like how you got into music initially like were your parents involved in art or were there teachers in school
1: yeah well i think it was it is all to my parents credit like we at the the grade school i went to at at fourth grade you had to pick either choir orchestra or band Uh and so you had to do one of those three things and so that was great, and my parents were like, "Yeah, whatever you want, but you got to do something there." And uh, so I picked alto sax because that was like in fourth grade seemed like the coolest instrument there <laughs> nice <and> was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's probably from like watching The Simpsons or something. But <laughs> so that was the start. Like, and then I was in band up through high school. Um, but in seventh grade, my dad had a uh, acoustic guitar. He used to be like, well, he was a grade school teacher, but he used to be like a youth pastor guy too. So he had, like, a banged-up acoustic guitar from when he would, you know, lead the high schoolers in worship. And uh, I had met some friends in junior high that had, like, started bands. And so I was like, oh, i got to try that. And so I picked up the acoustic guitar, and I found, like, this old chords book that, you know, like a Mel Bay chord book. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time, it didn't take long that I was like, all right, I need an electric. And I got the, like, $90 Squire uh And the cheap crate amp and then I was in a band in like three months and we probably knew like four chords collectively but so that was like the real start of it I got really I grew up on R&B but then something happened in junior high I got moved into a school with a bunch of new kids and uh, the ones I ended up meeting off the bat were like super into indie rock Mm -hmm. and we had just had a radio station change formats in town from like metal to indie rock basically or like alternative rock. And so I started listening to that, and then it was like kind of a blew my mind scenario. And then I got into that, and then you know I got back into rap and R&B in high school, which led then to kind of the Doomtree thing, coming in. So, but yeah, I mean those early years, like I remember vividly at thirteen or fourteen, like writing out set lists for shows we hadn't done, or like you know taking over the world type shit. Like here's the labels we're gonna send this to, and making demo tapes on four tracks. So it was always like that um, desire to create and to like do-it-yourself like we started a our own record label in 10th grade as like an independent study with high school and it's just so we could like press up a seven inch and put it out and so um i don't know wanting to be like hands-on and behind the scenes that's kind of always been a part of it
0: yeah so you had these expectations and desires you said that were starting to form, like yeah. conquer the world sorts of yeah, things. Yeah. How have uh, your desires evolved over the over time, and how have you like learned to manage expectations realistically while still yeah. pushing yourself? Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I think you get uh, you get humbled pretty quickly, especially at that age. So it was really important for me. Like I, I really do remember we had sent out our demo tape to like. You know, at the time, like Sub Pop and Matador and Merge and all these labels. And I was like, one of these guys is definitely going to sign us. But if not, we had thrown in a, a local label called Generator that we were like, well, they'll for sure do it if these guys don't. And the first, I'll never forget, because the first letter we got back was from that local label. And they were like, no, I'm not going to do it. Oh. And then we were like, no. And that, you know, that led to like oh. the, you know, just rejection after rejection. So, those have been constant throughout my entire life, even to this day. Like, I think rejection's really good and can be, like, kind of character-defining. And um, and so I had a lot of that. Like, And then through that, it kind of forced us to work harder because we really wanted it. And then that led to, you know, it was like little things, but we played, like, you know, our high school dance or things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. All of a sudden you're starting to play kids' friends' parties and then... I went to record stores enough that I started to know the clerks behind the counter, and then they would consign our tapes, and then, you know, that's how... There was, a, there was an all-ages club called the Foxfire in, like, the late 90s, downtown, right across the street from Fine Line, actually, okay. and they were doing, the only place doing all-ages shows, and I, I had gone to, like, every single one of them for, like, a year straight, and then had, had met all the people working there, and finally, I was like, here's our seven-inch, like, if we could ever play a show here, we would die. And so eventually they gave us, like, a Monday night when no one was going to be there, and we brought out, like, you know, 70 kids from our high school, and all of a sudden they were like, oh, these kids are for real, and that just kind of snowballed, and so in a very small level, we we were getting that kind of, like, those little notches on the belt that mm-hmm. started to feel like, oh, we've got some momentum here, the exact same thing happened for Doomtree. you know, five years later was one thing at a time, and all of a sudden we dropped a record, and... Then POS got the City Pages cover, and then you know we started opening up for bigger acts, and that eventually led to our first blowout, which was our our first show that we all just played with no openers or anything to see what our draw was like. And we sold that out, and we freaked out, and then we moved to First Ave. Like it's always been this series of kind of little steps forward. Like uh, you can't see this through the podcast, but it's not like a steep ascent. It's very much this kind of barely visible, steady. Growth, yeah, uh, like a foothill or something. Yeah,
0: that that gradual development. Yeah. yeah, and
1: it's it's still like that, man. We've never had anything that's that's given us. And I'm thankful. There's times when I'm like, oh, it'd be tight to just be like a millionaire and have yeah. like a platinum <laughs> record or whatever. But like, um we've never had anything happen too big that would have. Like, there are certain things I think that can happen in an artist's career that will ruin everything if it happens too fast no Mm. matter how good it is and so we've never had anything really test us like that where it's like overnight fame or anything that would you know that would be a lot to deal with things like that i think we've been fortunate i think there's where you learn the patience too but um but yeah does that go back to your original question yeah definitely okay and uh,
0: (laughs) and it makes me think that gradual growth Probably leads to more longevity than, like, instant success. Yeah. You know, when you, when you start into something, you want to succeed so badly. Yeah. But if if it's always growing and it's sustained over a long time, that ensures you're always able to do it, whereas, like, you might blow up, but then only do something right. for a couple of years. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and
1: that's where, it's, you know, it's getting tougher. With, I'm a lot older than you. I'm 34, and, you know, especially being in your mid-30s, with rap as a genre, it's a very, it's a young person's... Field. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm the same way. I don't really want to hear necessarily like a 40 year old rap. (laughs) I'd much rather hear it from the perspective of like an 18 year old or Mm -hmm. uh, someone in their early 20s because it's about, I don't know, it's always just kind of been this youthful thing. So we're, you know, we're at that kind of, not a crossroads, but just like how do you continue doing this and be true to yourself and grow and, you know, and then you bring in finances to it, Mm -hmm. you know. So that's just artistically, I think we have to challenge ourselves. But then it's like, people are starting, you know, I have three kids, people have mortgages or wives or car payments, or, you know, just like whatever. Um, those are real things you've got to consider now more than ever. So it's, uh, I think everyone is kind of at a, we're, we're over, we usually do these like crew cycles where we'll we'll do an album all together, all seven of us, then we'll tour it for a year and then we'll kind of take off a few years, everyone will do their own thing, make their solo record. We're kind of in that time right now, so I think everyone is kind of like, on their own path in a way and figuring out that little money, lots of places thing Mm -hmm. and what they're, you know, for me, a lot out of necessity, it was the management thing and the, the label thing too. Like I needed some financial uh, security more so than I had Hmm. and I couldn't be on the road as much with kids. So, um, I couldn't make the money out there hustling like I used to. So this way I was able to do that while kind of staying in like a 15 minute proximity from, my crying children. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, you just got to kind of get creative as, as new... And not even roadblocks, but it's just as new things develop. Yeah. Again, I'm, by the time I finish answering your question, I can't really remember where it started. So, <laughs> it's a lot of... Like, all this stuff is so big picture, it's easy to go off in a million different...
0: Yeah, and I, I always say I love the tangents because <laughs> you get to things that you never would have expected, mm-hmm. right? Um, do, do you have any mentors currently... Just thinking about, you know, sustaining growth and, like, managing time between work and a family and all of these things, is, yeah. there, is there any, uh, like, role model in your life right now?
1: Yeah, like- I mean, I think a lot, of, I, I try to learn as much as I can from people always, and especially from people in a little bit different industries. Like, it's always nice when I do get the time to drink beers with another manager and we can kind of, like, trade war <laughs> stories and, yeah. you know, complain, you know, it's just nice to to know that someone is in your same boat, but... um. Someone that I've looked up to for a few years is uh, this guy Clint Roberts, who, he used to be at Surly, um, and was kind of like, uh, he kind of steered the ship there for a while, and uh, and he was the, he was my contact. When I became the manager of Doomtree, it was my first kind of task, was we wanted, it was the 10th blowout, and everyone wanted a beer. Like, you know, <laughs> we were like, it'd be so tight to have our own beer, and so I was kind of tasked with going out and finding that and surly was high on our list um just because they seemed to fit the vibe and it wasn't like a weird you know it was just like oh yeah they have they share our ethos they're really diy so he was my contact there and and over the course of a year we really worked hard to like bring those two brands together and and that kind of stuff but he also owns like a marketing company and um Mm. has a lot of clients but just has and he has two kids and he just has a lot of... Uh, we get together and there's a lot that I learn from him and just how to deal with people and how to deal with obstacles and things like that. So him... You know, there's other, a lot of other managers I look up to. There's a lot of... Uh, you know, there's people at Rhymesayers that I connect with. Obviously, when we were young, we looked really up to them. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of that. But I, I do... like Generally, anyone that's kind of like a boss in their own right, I guess... It doesn't have to be this, like, head of some huge company, although I know some of those guys, and it's really good to get their perspective on things, too. But anyone that's just kind of, like, on their own path, crushing it, and has their own ideas, and is, has kind of become a, a boss, I want to, like, be around those people. So there's a lot of inspiration that I get from that. Yeah. Just, like, kind of those... Even if it's just eating, like, a cheeseburger and talking about <laughs> sports, there's just still some vibe, like, some energy that is, is traded with people that are really driven...
0: Yeah, so. you you almost become the people you surround yourself kinda, with. Kind of, yeah, so yeah, you totally. Gotta, you gotta choose carefully. Yeah,
1: right, exactly. But so yeah.
0: Speaking of mentorship, let's say there was a uh, there's a young company or label uh, in, coming up in the Twin Cities, and you have the uh, the privilege of <laughs> of kind of kind of raising them and and uh, contributing to what they're mm-hmm. doing, offering some advice and whatnot. Assuming they've ar- they already have a start, it's not just an idea. Yeah. Like this is a concrete business yeah. opportunity. What are the top few things that you would recommend people look for to capitalize on?
1: Sure, this, how to keep that going? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, God, it's a great question. So, am I? Is this like a label, like an upstart label, or let's, is this like an this, artist? Let's, let's say, say label. It's a label. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'd say probably don't do it right now. Like, really? <laughs> I, I mean. So much has changed. I'm going to sound really old and cynical now, but, <laughs> uh, but I don't mean to be... I am old, and I can admit mm-hmm. that, but I'm not, like, I really don't have this cynical mindset. But there are just a lot of things that I've, I've seen change over my course of being in the music industry, in quotations, um, and labels aren't really necessary anymore. Mm-hmm. On a, Sometimes they are, like, don't get me wrong, um, but, you know, if you're... If you're a young kid and you're starting up and you got your SoundCloud page and you blah blah blah, you know, and you're building up a following on your own, like you might not need to sign to a label. And it also, on the label side, is very hard to um, to sustain right now because people aren't buying records, and so where are you actually getting your money from? So this is a much this is a whole different podcast on the state of the <laughs> music industry. But I mean, let's let's break it down to more uh, not necessarily a label, but like an artist or someone up and coming in a creative field definitely um, yeah. i think that you know the struggle is real as they say and you know be prepared for a lot of roadblocks and also for like the end results to not mirror what is in your head right now you mm-hmm. know like to be uh, malleable a little bit and and flexible to a degree and and then i would really say like it's so hard to teach but i always go back to this just be cool Phrase and I kind of watched it with bands I went on tour with as a as a young kid, but like it's not necessarily. I think it's learned or it's developed, but it's just like that whole concept of like being a cool dude or chick or whatever, and just being good to people. And, I, and again, I don't mean like cool like cool like uh, sunglasses and whatever. <laughs> I mean like just like be good, be cool to people, um, be understanding, and like be friendly and and don't be. Awkward or angry or I don't know. You know, there's so many things where, like, I think of the people that I've ended up working with, and a lot of it is is certainly based on skill and all those things, but a lot of it is really just like demeanor and um, personality and just like I don't know. Like I said, you can't really teach that stuff, but but just being more, I guess, practice empathy and and um, and patience and that kind of stuff. I really think that will take you far, and then and collaborate. That's a big one, like humble yourself check your ego at the door and like really seek out collaboration in whatever you're doing whether that's you know making music with someone else or um, you know even just like hitting up someone that you really admire as a photographer and artist and trying to figure out a way to work with them in a capacity like we're really lucky to have in the twin cities um, this amazing artistic community but we're small enough and far enough away from the big cities or the coast that like we're kind of forced to collaborate out of necessity <laughs> and so we get that extra boost that push out the door that we need to like mm. to actually go and ask for help or to like you know to play a show with a country band and a punk band and a rapper like that's not really that unheard of here that happens all the time and, and the fans now and the listener base is accepting of that too so it's like you know if i go to philadelphia that doesn't necessarily happen so, yeah, checking the ego thing as much as possible, and then also realizing that you're gonna need other people to make any of this work and so and you don't just need them for one thing and then you're done with them like you're gonna need to build your reputation on being good to people uh, hmm. in a city this small at least uh, that word travels like that your Your reputation is extremely important um, and we're able to. I mean, I've leaned on this my whole life, because we've never had money, real money, to be able to just, like, pay top dollar for anything. So everything that we get is generally comes with, like, my classic line, and I'm sure there's many people in the city and the world that are sick of hearing me say it, but it's, like, I tell people up front, like, we're balling on a budget, and we (laughs) always are, and I'm never going to be able to probably pay, like, what you're worth and i understand that i don't want to offend you but like this is what our vision and this is what we want to accomplish and um, is there any way to make it work for this or can we in turn do this for you and you know that like i think um, i think that bartering is going to become more and more like the thing for especially for smaller artists because there Mm -hmm. just isn't no one's like making a ton of money so how do we how do we do it could you take my press shot and in return i'll play your gallery opening you know mm. things like that like yeah. i think there are a lot of answers once you kind of take away the the normal constructs that maybe like a lawyer or the industry 20 years ago would have said like well you need to get paid for this and you need to do this and your day rate is this like once you kind of strip that and realize like what your worth is and what you're willing to do for other things I think it gets easier yeah A lot of things. A lot of advice. Yeah.
0: So taking a look at those trends, is there anything you see young bands or artists doing that they shouldn't be doing Mm. or things people aren't doing that they should be doing? I think the thing they are
1: doing that they could probably dial back a bit is a lot of times, I think in any industry, it's easy to get kind of a big head in a small so, I guess I'm speaking I don't know the listenership here. I'm speaking mostly in Minnesota right now, okay. but like um you know we live in a city where it's kind of it's not too hard to get noticed and to maybe get a couple gigs a month or you know like there's a there's actually a pretty decent economy here for that that is supported by really amazing fans of music and art and and they they choose to learn about local stuff and spend their money locally, but yeah. I see a lot of people. Like one cool thing will happen and all of a sudden everything changes and they think they need a manager and they're blah 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 and they're always getting screwed over and things like that and it's like that whole paying your dues thing is such a I mean I still feel like sometimes I'm doing it but uh, it's like you don't just nothing is handed to you again if you sound old but like so take those little wins and always reflect on those briefly like I always say like I need to even if it's super tiny even if it's like your pod like oh man i got like x amount of followers that's awesome like absolutely take a second and and be pumped and high five yourself or whatever go drink a beer or whatever uh but then get back to work i think so like the Mm -hmm. the worst thing you can do is to never acknowledge those things because then it just starts to build this negative vibe like you gotta congratulate yourself and others around you when cool stuff happens no matter how little it is and then you can't stay on that too long then you gotta jump right back into it and and use that as your fuel for like the next thing so i think you know it's so often that people have this perception of how everything works that when they record their first song or you know they do a guest verse on another person's song all of a sudden they feel this sense of entitlement like well now you owe me x amount of dollars or blah 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 like I think just being a little more flexible, you don't want to get screwed over and you want to look out for yourself and your best interests, but just kind of being a little more laid back about it in the beginning mm-hmm. and, and realizing that a lot, most of the stuff you're doing is really like practice and it's just, it's, you're not even, you haven't even set the foundation yet. You're literally doing, this is like you know, <laughs> pre algebra, you're doing like, yeah, this isn't college algebra. This is like pre, pre algebra and you got to do that. You got to put in that time to get to a point where you can actually you know, demand certain things. So, yeah, yeah. That's a weird fine line, but chill out, maybe. Just chill out a little
0: bit. I like it. I like <laughs> it. I th- you know, I think about that in terms of this podcast specifically because, like I said before we started recording, I'm 20 and I may not be doing this indefinitely. Right. But whatever happens, it's an awesome opportunity to make some connections. Provide some information to the people that need it. Yeah, you know, totally. uh, Or some conversational skills. Absolutely. So celebrate those small successes. Yes,
1: one hundred percent. Don't get a big head. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and and, you know, um, build your network. This is going to sound real like business schooly, but like build up your rolodex. Like think of it as a a tiny ball or whatever (laughs) that's expanding. But yeah, it doesn't have to just include. You know, say you're. I'm I'm in hip hop, so I'm going to go to rappers. But like that doesn't mean you just hang with rappers. Like, you need, you're need, you going to need producers, you're going to need DJs, you're going to need graphic designers, you need photographers, you're going to need publicists. So, like, the more you widen that hanging out with different types of people and people in different industries, there's always a way that you'll be able to tie it back to what you're doing. So it's really beneficial, I think, to, like... I mean, that's just in life. It's, mm-hmm. ni- it's really important, I think, to know people from all walks of life and everything. But honestly, like, I could meet a construction worker tomorrow and probably within a couple of lunches figure out a way that we could both benefit each other's industries you know somehow. what i mean like somehow i'd be like well i actually need you to build me a <laughs> i don't know what a sculpture of a boom box for so you know or like i don't know there's just you'd be surprised how much you can benefit each other i think as long as you're continuing to just like be open-minded and and Make relationships, meet new people, and also, like, um, nurture those relationships and not just, like, like check in with people. And it's, that's, uh, it's worked well for me when I've been able to do it.
0: Yeah. Speaking of other people and mm. approaching the tail end of the conversation, yeah, yeah. I'm going to throw some listener questions your way. Okay. Uh, so, Josh, who's in a cool up-and-coming band called Why Not, is wondering about your process of making beats and I would add to that, as time has gone on, how do you keep things fresh? Mm, sure. So yeah, it's changed up over the years, but it hasn't been that different. Like I'm usually
1: in the early days, we were sampling records, mm-hmm. and so you know, and not we didn't have the money to clear them. So it was just it was very much like some DIY. You go dig through the dollar bins all day, and you come home, and <laughs> I would usually have like ten records, and I just skip through them all. Any little sound I heard, I put it on one of the pads. So then like 10 albums later, a couple hours later, I just start banging on the pads and um, and just seeing like, it was almost like collage work. Like, oh, that could be, that actually sounds good with that. If I tune that up and now it's in the same key or if I hit that like over and over and over again, now it makes a new thing. So it was this really like kind of, almost like an art collage thing and I never knew what I was gonna get. So you start with nothing, and you you hear it might just be the way a hi hat was recorded and the the room atmosphere, huh. and that would spark something. And then now I'm off to the races. Um, then over the years, as we got bigger, it's very apparent. Like okay, that's actually not really legal. You gotta like <laughs> stop sampling. Um, and so that was a couple year period of like. Um, Oh shit! It's almost like I liken it to like if you're a say you're a piano player mm-hmm. and you played piano all your life, and then someday uh, someone's like, "Okay, great. So stop playing piano, and you're gonna have to make your next album on, like a trombone." You're like, well, "I don't fucking play trombone, man!" Like they're they're both instruments. <laughs> so like you know, sitting at a MIDI keyboard all of a sudden with nothing to spark that creativity it was a struggle. Slowly found different ways, whether it was like recording artists for sample fodder or things like that, but kind of back in my groove now and I'm, I'm able to do it legally but utilize things like sample packs to get inspiration from or, or different musicians but it usually looks like you know i try to just take a bunch of sounds throw them into my uh, mpc and just play around with them and see kind of tweak it and let it kind of guide me through it a lot of times now i've gotten a lot more efficient because i've had to so it used to be that i would basically work nine to five on a beat and i would start to finish, sequence it, everything, and now I have like one hour at a time to do things. Whoa. So it's like, okay, I can start something in an hour, then tomorrow I can get it kind of figured out, and then the third day I can sequence it, and then it's done. Um, So I'm working faster, but it's just in a different way. Yeah. Um, And now, especially, I used to have the time to just, my whole concept was, especially with the sample-based idea, It was just like, I'm just going to always have a stockpile of beats. So anytime an artist wants to work with me, they can just sit and listen to these 200 tracks and pick whatever they want. So it's kind of in their hands. And now, over the years, I've realized, like, it's kind of on you as a producer to guide that, if you want. Mm -hmm. I've found better success when I can kind of... I kind of know what I want, and I also know what I think works best for this person. So I can kind of, like... Now I work on a kind of project-by-project project basis, so I'll be working with an artist for an entire album, or I'll be making beats for a specific project, and so I go into it kind of with these set parameters of, like, um, like there's this new kind of Doomtree side project that's in the works with a couple of the guys, and we just wanted to make, like, fast bangers, like two-minute songs, blasters, like nothing, just like super up-tempo, just stuff that you Just want to like dance to, Mm -hmm. and so we went into that with like, okay, we're not making anything slower than this BPM, and let's just like (laughs) strip it all back and just really make it drum focused. So every project now that I do is very like deliberate. The sounds are deliberate. The approach is deliberate, and that's made I think for I wouldn't have been able to do that 15 years ago because I wouldn't have known how to. But I've had enough time to really learn the craft and now be able to just like really focus. And give care and attention to each specific project, and like it's its very own thing, and that's really helped a lot to be like hyper focused on everything and treat it like its own thing instead of just like whatever I made forty beats last month, just have mm-hmm. at it uh, it's given
0: it a lot more cohesive vibe yeah, going at it more uh, conceptually than like mixing and matching yeah and it's to totally like, it's almost it m- right. a little more methodical or, yeah. Um, yeah it's um. A little more intention from the jump cool lutalo jones of a band called good luck finding iris and uh he's also a co-founder of a, com- a community organization organization called orca tribe wants to know what are some good advertisement and promotional advice mm. for young companies
1: yes good um i mean try not to spend all your money on it like that's i think the the <laughs> biggest thing like unless you've got a bunch of money to burn through i think that um well, I can only speak for myself, but with Doomtree we've tried super hard to be um, as like honest and transparent and, and as close to who we are and, as real people in our public persona as well, mm-hmm. and um, and we've benefited a lot from that because we were always we're kind of hard on, our, hard on our sleeve, but we've always been like very open about oh yeah, we don't really have that much money or like, and especially when we came up, it was at a time when rap was really looked at as like everyone was flossing and um, and so we've, we've always just done that and so we've built up a, a core or like a group of people that like believe in us as people probably more so than they even do as like musicians and and that is like an amazing bond to get to where like we all feel like equals and they're like super invested in this because they look to us like they would one of their friends or neighbors as opposed to kind of on this pedestal which I think we put a lot of artists on hmm. and through that we've been able to really, like, kind of uh, sustain ourselves through... Because there is a set group of people that no matter what we release, um, they will buy it to support us. They might not even like it. You know what I mean? But they, like, truth they ends. love... Yeah, yeah they, and they love... And, and they want they want us to continue. So I look at us almost more now as, like, a... I really put the emphasis on the art collective side because I'm kind of... We are kind of like an NPR or something. Like, you want to be a sustaining member. Like, you, you believe in this... So you're giving us this money to keep going because it's like benefiting you. So there's that whole like you know win-win-win situation. So I don't know, just like in your social media too. I think I've always kind of we've had a loose rule of like for every promotional post, you've got to have like a personal post or a hmm. something to balance it. Because I know that if I am only getting inundated with buy this or you know, um, I just tune out or I mute you or I unfollow you but by kind of like there are going to be times certainly if you're in a business situation you have to promote your stuff Um, just like balancing that with like here's my hot take on the new Mike's Hard Lemonade or you know just like dumb shit goes a long (laughs) way I think anytime you can show yourself as like a real person with opinions and with like fears and things like that it really helps I know not all businesses are able to do that but um, I think connecting with your community wherever you are in different ways and they probably won't be ways that you make money but hmm. you know if you're if you're in a city like figure out a way to connect if you're se- no matter what you're selling or what you are if that means like you know hitting up a block party or you know um offering your time at schools or however you can benefit i think that there's a lot of to be gained from that as well like you know we we try to do most teaching opportunities that we get asked to do for the most part Mm -hmm. if we're able to and and i try a lot too to be um like i do work with a lot of younger kids on the come up in music and and do kind of like two hour quick life coach hangs at the office and things like just kind of help people or i just give people google docs and they can do whatever they want with it i'm like here's your plan here's what you do um so I don't know. I think that like giving back can be super beneficial too in, in yeah. that in that regard. So that's not really in regards to advertising, I guess. But I mean, but
0: and maybe <laughs> it does contribute. It really but, does. Yeah, like you yeah. know, all
1: of a sudden, one, you'd be surprised the businesses you get linked in with when you do that. And two, like you know, if you show up and you give out some free product at a big block party, but you also got the benefit of this big sign getting seen by everybody, and now hmm. there's word of mouth. Like there's ways that that can all. Um, We're together and then I think to just like get as creative as you humanly possibly can like <laughs> it's gonna take the weird ideas to catch people's attention now it's mm-hmm. almost like the norm mm-hmm. we've had to do it where it's like we can't just put out a CD and expect people to buy it um, so we've gotten into a lot of weird uh, kind of co-branding things like we did a beer with Surly Dessa has like an ice cream with Izzy's ice cream you know just like doesn't have to be drink and food related but um, but it can be it can be <laughs> And there's ways to do it. You can do it tongue in cheek or whatever, but there's always, uh, that ties back to the collaboration. There's always room for that. And what we found with the surly thing, especially, is that there was no money. There was no, and this is again, I mean, about checking your ego, I guess, but there's no, we weren't seeing like a percentage of the sales from that beer. So at the beginning, it was like, oh, they're going to make, they're going to, they were selling a lot of the beer. And we're like, oh, we're not seeing any of that money. But the big long game play of that was, this was a company on the rise with a whole set of fans in a completely different world, mm. like the you know the the microbrewery world, which was on the bubble, that are now drinking this beer called Surly Doomtree with our basically like our bio on the can, and they're seeing this partnership. And now we've got this whole new group of people that are coming to the shows and buying merch. And then my mind was like, okay, obviously we're not getting it. A reward of like cash flow here yeah but on a marketing perspective we're about to go on tour for this album you know is there anything they could do with their marketing budget to help support that so i was able to pitch them on getting us a tour bus that we would have always stocked with the beer and we could you know they ended up not putting their logo on but and i was able to get money to pay for the tour bus so now we even though it doesn't look like we got a check for real money we actually just kind of like maneuvered 30k into yeah. getting a bus that we didn't have to spend, you know, so it's like getting creative on how that money its kind of like all the money is out there and it just gets moved around. It never really like stays in anyone's pockets. I just mm. figured out how to move it around
0: collaboratively. I think there's a, a lot of benefit there tangent again but perfect <laughs> and uh, and one more yeah. coming from peter jamis who's a freelance art director and photographer he wants to know when media artists contact you with project ideas what works for you and what doesn't mm. or like what is your ideal way of receiving a proposal
1: sure i mean email probably i know that you run the risk of people just not reading it or throwing them email or yeah. throwing in the trash but it's the quickest and it's, like, the least painful way. Like, phone, you know, we're all so busy, I think, and phone calls have become, like, a hassle for most hmm. people, which is, I know, is a bummer. Like, you know, there's so many times now where I'm just like, let's just text it out because yeah. I don't... Um, but, yeah, I mean, that or, you know, if for some reason, it, it makes sense if there's a public function that you know someone's going to be at and you just drop something off. I think just, like it's really more about the tone with that stuff. It's like if... It always feels easier to me when the tone is kind of friendly and not over-the-top, um... selly, I guess, or pushy, you know what I mean? So then it's easier, like... And keep it brief, but just, like, you know, think of it as just, like, a person-to-person deal. It's just always easier. And that goes, too, for when people ask me to check out their music or things like that, like... um, it's just always, I mean, even with you, with the podcast It's just kind of like a friendly, like, hey, what's up? Would you want to do this? And it's like, yeah, sure Let's find some time, like, easy um, Here we are So being a little more, yeah, here we are With all my kids uh, I think casual is best when, when, doing, when presenting that stuff Because otherwise it's going to feel real sales pitchy Yeah But yeah, I
0: think email in general And two rapid fire questions coming yeah. from me First off if you could be anywhere in five years doing anything like taking out any realistic yeah yeah conception yeah just whatever yeah like what does life look like what's a
1: good life oh man well I'd live in New Orleans for sure yeah and and I would uh, with my family God bless them but I would probably be like a uh, if money wasn't a thing at all I would probably be like um, an auxiliary percussion player in, like, an Earth, Wind & Fire cover band or something <laughs> like that. Like, I've always had a dream of either being, like, a bass player that plays his bass really high in, like, an R&B old soul band or, uh, or like, the guy that just hits the chimes and the bongos in, like, a, a funk band or something like that. So that would be... Yeah, and I would definitely be in New Orleans without a doubt. Yeah, sounds nice, actually. Maybe I should make a plan for that. Beautiful. Yeah, five years. Yeah,
0: I could do it. Yeah, five years. Uh-huh. And, uh... Finally Do you Have uh, I mean I know you do But any upcoming shows Or like places people Can't keep track of Oh yeah sort of thing? Like where yeah, can people s- get, totally. get connected Totally
1: So well Doomtree.net Is always going to be The hub for For that stuff And you can learn About all seven members You can learn about The crew What we're up to I do like a Basically like a Weekly newsletter Called Tuesdays with Laserbeak Which mm-hmm. is just like The blog coming straight Out of my fingertips um, So you can always Find out about What we're up to there Um and then yeah i mean i've got a lot of i've been working on just like a lot of side project stuff so i'm playing um art of world um may 19th with my group mixed blood majority um and that's in northeast minneapolis may 20th i'm playing with a producer named bionic we both worked with lizzo a lot um we're kind of doing working on a record together like an instrumental piece mm-hmm. so that's may 20th in northeast both for art of world um Doomtree is kind of as a crew on hiatus while everyone does their solo stuff. So we do have one played in Chicago at the end of July. I mean, you can find all that stuff out on the website. But Twitter, I'm at underscore laserbeak underscore. And Instagram, I'm just at laserbeak. That's kind of where I'm... Those two platforms are kind of where I hang out. I still haven't learned how to use Facebook, and I think I'm (laughs) officially out on Facebook. So Twitter and Instagram. um, But yeah, I've got a lot of stuff... It's kind of been, there's probably eight to ten musical projects that are in the works right now that are slowly starting to come to completion. So I think in the next year, you'll see a lot more stuff like produced by me, which I'm excited to come out. And mm. then in general, it's like, I'm mostly just executive produce these days, and, and all the Doomtree records get kind of like funneled through my... Whatever, I get to touch them before they come out. Sweet. <laughs> so, yeah. Well,
0: Veek, thank you Dude, so much for the time. Yeah, yeah,
1: pleasure, man. I'll,
0: I'll see you out there in the world. Absolutely. Appreciate it. All right, that's a wrap. Big thank you to Laser Veek for coming on the show and for having me over to his house, no less. I'm always amazed by the warmth and generosity of the people I've been interacting with, it's crazy what listening can do for you, because that's a lot of what this podcast is, is posing a question and listening and taking it all in. And like I said during the introduction, it's really serving me. Uh, in a way, this is sort of my own education. I'm not currently pursuing college. ...for a number of reasons that maybe I'll dig into at some point... ...but I've been learning loads from the people on this show... ...and the people that I meet outside the show... ...the people that I'd love to get on the show... ...so I hope you're gaining something from it as well. If you want to learn more about Laserbeak... ...and I'm sure you do... ...head on over to doomtree.net forward slash laserbeak... ...there's music there, a bio, links to social media... ...his blog, videos, all sorts of things... Doomtree.net forward slash laserbeak. And then, if you're in the St. Paul, Minneapolis area, come out to Art World tomorrow, uh, May 19th, Friday, May 19th at 9 p.m. He's performing with Mixed Blood Majority. I'm going to be there. It'd be awesome to have you out. Thank you to Josh Johnson for providing the opening track to this podcast. You can find some more of his music on SoundCloud. He's at Saxophone Capone. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, visit ChanceByChance.com. There, you can sign up for the newsletter on the homepage. You can listen to all episodes. This is number 30, by the way, which is absolutely nutso. And you can support the podcast by taking a look at the support page, leaving a rating or review on iTunes, or donating via Patreon. A dollar or two here and there really adds up. Anything you can lend, even if it's solely word of mouth, it means the world, really, because I've been enjoying this, and I'd like to extend my own longevity in this field. Okay, until next time, everyone, thank you for listening.